everybody. This is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. My name is Brent Griffiths, and here he is, Brent McIntosh. How you doing? I'm well. How are you, Brent? Fine, thank you. Man, times sure change. And not only do they change from year to year, from month to month, from week to week, and now even day to day, you just never exactly. know where we're going with things, and you just got to roll with the punches. But it's a real... It's a real test for some people at certain jobs, is it not? It is. And because this has become, we, we keep avoiding what we're talking about, but of course we're talking about COVID-19. Um, because it's become such a big part of our life, I wanted to talk to somebody today who's maybe whose job has changed more than even some of the rest of us. Because I think we've all had changes in our life on how we do our jobs. And and, and I, I thought, you know, teachers, their job has probably changed more than anyone else. And so I've got a friend who's a teacher and he's gladly uh, agreed to join us. Jason Ashmore. Jason, how are you? Uh, good. Good. And how are you? Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Not a problem. Uh, before, before we talk about what you do and how you do it and how that's changed, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I am uh, I'm from a family of uh, teachers. My, uh, my dad taught high school. Uh, my sister's a teacher. My brother-in-law is a teacher. Uh, my mother is not. My mom was a nurse and my wife is not a teacher. She's also a nurse. Um, so I've been in education for almost 20 years. Uh, and I've taught everything from adults all the way down to uh, kindergarten. So I've kind of uh, got a little bit of everything going on in my world. What do you do for fun when you're not teaching? Um, well, um, I used to do uh, a little bit more running, but uh, being in uh, this cold snap, uh, going outside and running outdoors is not something I'm, I'm doing. And uh, unfortunately, my indoor gym uh is uh, right now under construction with my all the things that are building up in my garage. Oh, so yeah. um, <laughs> watching a lot of Netflix, uh, Disney Plus, that's kind of my uh, my go-to uh, yeah. for, for fun. For all of us, yeah, binging um, all these TV shows. I've never watched more t TV in my life than the past <laughs> year and a half. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's talk about your profession, a noble one that it is. Um, you said you've been teaching for 20 years. What grades do you teach right now? Uh, well, right now I am the teacher librarian math lead. So I work with teachers and students from kindergarten uh, to grade six. So um, every week I get the kids to come into the library and I read stories to them, books, help them get books for that. And then um, when they're not in the library with me, I am doing math uh, planning and activities with classes. Um, we do some technology things as well. I love all the tech toys. So working with the kids on coding and robotics and doing those kind of things. So, which has uh, been definitely a challenge um, over the last two years for sure, getting kids to um, be able to touch and handle a lot of those robotics, um, you know, devices, trying to clean them and not get them so that they don't work anymore when you do clean. So. Yeah. You, you said uh, that your, your father was a teacher and, and that everybody in your family seems to be either in teaching or nursing. Why, why, why did, why did you guys all want to be teachers? Why did you want to be a teacher? Um, well, I got into teaching. Um, it was actually not even my, uh, my, my first thought I was going into, uh, I didn't want to actually be a teacher ever. Um, and I remember 
I had my, some of my dad's colleagues and stuff like that. They're like, Oh, you'll get into teaching. And I'm like, Nope, I have no desire to teach. So I was in university and I was applying to the faculty of business, um, after my first year and my sister being a teacher, she needed volunteers for different activities. So I went in and volunteered and I remember helping out in her grade two class. I was helping kids with a mother's day project and these kids were trying to, um, knit, not knit, I guess, stitch with yarn on burlap. And one kid kept, they kept pulling the needle and the thread would just disappear. And then we'd have to rethread it. So I taught a kid how to spit on the thread so that she could stick it back through the eye of the needle. And she was so excited to see this, that she shared it with everybody. And then basically my job was over as a volunteer. And I'm like, huh, teaching hate. And so I uh, applied, uh, changed where I was applying, and I applied to the faculty of ed with a major in business uh, technology. And I was like, oh, I'll make teaching my backup plan, and uh, I'll uh, have, a, have a business. And then, uh, yeah, my business, is be- my little side business has become more of a backup, uh, something I don't do as often as yeah. I used to. But uh, Teaching is now kind of my, my main focus and has been for the last almost two decades. That's a cool story that I didn't know. I, I, uh, pretty cool. Did you like going to school as a kid? Was that something that you enjoyed? Uh, no, <laughs> uh, I was the, I was the kid who, um, I could do well in school. Um, but I really didn't try. Um, I, School just wasn't, it wasn't until actually I got into university that I really started liking school because I got choice. I got to pick what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. Um, I wasn't really pegged into a hole of, well, you have to do a presentation this way. Um, University kind of really opened my eyes to choice. And that's something that as a classroom teacher, I pride myself on too, is that giving kids choice and allowing them the freedom to, to choose and do things the way they want to do them, not necessarily this is how it has to be done. Excellent. Well, um, let's get to the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today. How has the teaching occupation changed in the past two years? Uh, well, the big thing is uh, preparing to jump at any time between in-person to online or some hybrid model. Um, so biggest thing has been flexibility, uh, for teachers and, you know, for a lot of people, it's the learning something new and being open to, to new things. Lots of teachers, you know, technology to the scale of being able to do things online rather than in person isn't always, you know, been the easiest thing. I think for lots of teachers, like I was saying earlier about with like the robotics, you know, that's a great activity to do with kids, but you can't have kids touching everything and you know, all gathering around in, in groups all the time. So, you know, it's, you've had to change some of the things, um, you know, like when I was full time in the classroom, I had alternative seating. So kids didn't really have a spot. They were just able to move around. Well, mm-hmm. now you have to have desks, you have to have kids in rows, which is not necessarily the way lots of teachers enjoy teaching. So, right. For lots of teachers, it's been a huge change in, you know, how they teach, the way they teach, um, and sometimes where you're teaching is, like, the biggest thing, too. It's, like I said, jumping from in-person to online. You know, teachers love working with kids. It's why we got into it. Like, I, like my story earlier, working with kids and having that aha moment with them, 
I don't think you get that necessarily always in an online environment. You know, right. it's, it's those moments. Because it's not always live, first of all, right? When you're teaching, it, it could be a recorded program that they're watching later on. Yeah. Because um, many households might have many children and only one computer. Right. I used to, like when I was doing online, I did a lot of recording um, because my grade was, when we went online the first time, was grade five. So most of my kids could handle. Um, so I recorded a lot of my, my videos, put them on YouTube, told the kids where to go. Because again, even technology, like lots of people don't necessarily have a computer or a laptop or a Chromebook, but lots of kids have the PlayStations, the Xboxes, some way to get to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so that's one reason why I did a lot of videos and I pre-recorded them and then held like office hours so that then parents or, or students could come in and ask questions after watching the videos, because, you know, you have 30, kids in a classroom everyone's now you've got 30 kids online well someone turns their mic on now you got background noise from some kids video while you're trying to speak and it's like you kind of hear this like weird faint buzzing noise so i just found after a while that videotaping it allowed me to focus and deliver a better lesson and then kids could come in and ask and you know i know that it was working because like youtube you get little stats and I, a couple of my math videos, there was over a hundred views. Well, I don't have a hundred kids. Right. So some of these people were watching this more than once. So, yeah. Oh, is it, and what about your colleagues? Like talk around the shop, talk around, uh, around the school when you're talking to your fellow teachers, are they getting the same results or, I mean, you're really tech savvy. So how about the, the teachers that aren't, were they getting those results? Um, some were, some weren't. It depends on their, 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 their level of comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been one of the bigger rules that I've had um, is now trying to help staff be more comfortable right. uh, with technology and using the tools. Um, you know, like Google's a big uh, tool for us. Um, and, you know, there's lots of the free things. So figuring out ways to share information um, you know, and again, some, not all teachers are comfortable with videotaping themselves. Um, I just found it was a much easier way. And I was even doing it like pre COVID. Um, I just found that it was sometimes easier for me to give mini lessons and videotape them than it was to try to give it live, um, and in person because, you know, attendance issues, even pre COVID were, you know, kids were sick, they were sick and then they missed out. Did you get feedback from the kids? Did they like the videos? Um, uh, for the most part, they like. I try to make it funny. Um, I try to add some things. I know some colleagues who like they had green screens so they could add things, um, and they edited their videos and added special effects. Like, so you know, it depends on I guess what level uh, you wanted to go to. The teachers um, have to have to become entertainers now and make yes. <laughs> Right. And that's, and that's where like, I've got, that's where like the big shop talk was, is that teachers like, well, I'm not an entertainer. I'm a teacher. And I'm like, but even in your own classroom, like you're not changing like how you teach, you're just changing how you deliver the lessons right. and the material. Still to keep their attention when they're in the classroom. Yeah. This is just a different way. And, and you know what, I think probably, and, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. The hardest part is, is you're not, you don't have that instant feedback. You right. Know, yeah. You have to you wait a day feedback. or two to find out if you got through to them. Yeah. But you also, at the same time, like, you know, you are having to entertain and because if they have a computer in front of them, it is a lot easier for a kid to type in YouTube 
than it is to, you know, Google into like get into your Google classroom. Like you're going to have to bring kids in to their, the learning environment and want to be with you. Like right. when they get dropped off by their parents or they take the bus and they go to school, they're there. And even then they're still trying to figure out ways to not be in the classroom with you They're You know, they want to talk to their friends about uh, video games or, you know, hang out at recess or, you know, go shoot hoops. Right. So you've got to compete, you know, with, with the outer environmental things that, uh, you know, it can be hard when you jump online. Sure. I, I want to jump in because you, you talked about the aha moment now, because you're doing it via videotape or on YouTube, that aha moment isn't an instant thing anymore. You find out about the day after, perhaps. Is that changing the way you view this? Because that was really the hook that got into teaching in the first place. Yeah, no, and that's been the that's been the hard part, and that's why, like, holding my holding the office hours, and that's one thing I've been working with staff and even families, like the reason I videotape them is so that then kids can watch it more than once. But then holding those office hours, whether it be in small groups or one-on-one, you can still then have those aha moments. Even if kids haven't watched the videos, I can still do a lesson because like, you know, the technology is sometimes not working. Like YouTube is down or, you know, this doesn't work or that doesn't work. And so you sometimes have to reteach a a mini lesson or kids could be like, I didn't understand when you were talking about, you know, multiplying two digits how do you do that? And you have to like walk through multiple times. Um, so I also find that the online part that is a benefit is that kids who might not ask a question in class are more willing to ask a question one-on-one in an online environment oh, Yeah, and take those risks because it's just you and the, and the student and their peers can't see it. That's something interesting that I would never have thought of. What a great, um, so there is some positives that can come out of stuff like this, of course. Yeah. And like for us, um, like I look at rural communities and I know that the internet isn't the best for them, but I also look at their bus transportation sometimes is the most reliable letting kids get in. Like I know if I think about out in Fort Saskatchewan, you know, lots of the kids who go into Fort Saskatchewan schools, they live in the outlying communities and have to take yellow bus. Well, in the middle of a snowstorm or a cold snap, like we've got going on now, those buses most likely aren't running. Well, and that means that kids aren't coming to school. Well, now, at least with an online presence or teachers who were doing some kind of online stuff before, those kids could still at least partake in, in the learning in that class and not miss out. Now, you know, we keep seeing changes here in, in Alberta with the kids in and out of school and, and home learning and back in class. So uh, depending on when somebody's listening to this podcast, uh, we may not know where we're at. But tell us when the kids are going back to school in person, what changes have you guys made in, in, in the school itself for both the teachers and the kids for safety? Well, ultimately, um, like recess, like I, being in elementary, we do recess in the past. Recess was everybody out at one time. Right. And that's when recess was. Now recess is all broken up into small little groups. Okay. Um, when kids are going into the gym or into music or into their second language, 
then we have gaps in between for cleaning. When kids are coming into the library, there's gaps in between for cleaning. Like we all wear masks. Um, you know, everyone from staff to students, support staff, anyone who comes in. Um, the biggest thing is pre-COVID, if a kid had a sniffly nose, you just basically ignored it. If you as an adult had a sniffly nose, you just ignored it and kind of went on about your day. And you're like, yeah, I'll be okay. I'll make it to the weekend. I'll get some rest. Right. Where now, the moment you hear a in the classroom, okay, we got to stay home. Like, so it's like... In the two years, I haven't actually physically caught anything else, which is the first time in my career I've never actually been off with a cold working with kids because inevitably I always caught something from a child. Sure. Um, and even my own children, they haven't had anything in like really in two years. Uh, so. it's, it's the first time in history that kids are wearing masks, of course. And, and more importantly, first time in history, kids are washing their hands. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't think I washed my hands as a kid. Nope. Nope. And I, I like when kids go, oh, can I go to the bathroom? If they're back within 30 seconds, yeah. it's like, okay, well, 20 seconds of that was supposed to be washing the hands. Um, yeah. Yes. You go back. Plus yeah. though, even if kids don't wash their hands, they're sanitizing when they come back into the room. Right. So they've done, they've done something, right? Okay. So how about the lunchroom? How do the kids eat lunch? Um, from the general understanding of at least like, again, my experience here in elementary, we have the kids eat in their room. Okay. Um, so they can home room in their classroom. Yeah. They're in the classroom. They eat mm -hmm. in the classroom, um, staff, if they're not eating in their classroom, uh, with the kids, uh, that's what I did last year. I was a classroom teacher. I ate with my class yeah. in the classroom. Um, and then if you uh, don't have lunch supervision with your class, teachers find a spare corner, uh, whether it be the music room, the gym, the stage area, uh, the library, the staff room. Like we just kind of have to really spread out. But again, because we don't have recess all at the same time, everything's staggered. Everyone's lunches is staggered. So you have, you have lunch at different times, Okay. So, which has come a bit of a scheduling nightmare for things like music and second languages, because everyone's recess is at a different time and everyone's lunch is at a different time. So you're trying to balance multiple extra things out. It's been my experience that children are more adaptive than adults. How are the kids dealing with the changes? Um, I think they, they would like it if you know things were a little bit more consistent but again they also understand i think it's um for kids who have actually had school pre-covid they are having a little bit harder time i look at uh kids who are in kindergarten in grade one uh which is my youngest daughter she's in grade one she doesn't understand anything different right like she went to school and kids wore masks and you sat at your spot and you didn't move and you didn't mix cohorts and you didn't have recess with everybody. And so for her, grade one is basically the exact same thing as kindergarten where, you know, my oldest who's in grade three, she had kindergarten where there was interactivity and even part of grade one where there was lots of interactivity. So for her, you know, it, it's been a bit of a change, but again, it depends on your ability with technology. And I find that lots of kids 
know how to use technology. I wouldn't say they're tech savvy as much as they actually just know how to use it. Like they know it's there and they don't know a life without it. Like I think of kids in elementary, they know Netflix and YouTube. Yeah. Right. Like the moment I introduced myself as being someone who's, who went to school before the internet and Google, the amount of looks of like what? And like you talk about like the first cell phone and I show them what the just first cell phone looked like. And they're like, wait, what? Like kids as a whole don't quite understand what life was like without technology. So Encyclopedia Britannica's that we had a set of. That's how I did my yeah. essays and my reports when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, right? Like a lot of kids, you know, it's, they're of the Google generation, like information is instant and it's in their pocket. And, you know, even looking at my own girls, when technology is running slow or doesn't work, the, the frustration of why isn't this working? And I'm like, well, the app has to update. And uh, I know it's unfortunate that they chose to update right when you wanted to play, but uh, you know, it's a global app. So they have to randomly pick times and uh, our time zone happened to be it today, I guess. Are our kids falling behind? Like, uh, like, you know, maybe not somebody in grade one, but what about our kids in junior high and high school? What's, what's the talk around the school? I think overall, uh, kids are behind, I would say, across the board from kindergarten up. Um, part of it being is that even with being at home and parents working at home, parents aren't necessarily always interacting as much with their kids because they're trying to get their own work done. So right. even if parents are at home with the kids, they have a job to do too. And so when the kids have questions, they can't necessarily go to somebody and ask. Um, I just also think that we're, we're a busier society as a whole, even before COVID, we were a society that had to work more than generations before. So the number of families who have two jobs or three jobs, um, shift work, especially I think of like Edmonton North until other parts of Alberta, we're very shift work oriented society now. So mm -hmm. there is no really stay at home parents. So, you know, our kids falling behind, yeah, in comparison to other years, I guess, like, will we know the full ramifications? It will probably be, you know, a few years. But, like, to be honest, like, kids need to focus on literacy and numeracy, and parents need to support, support that stuff at home. And one of that yeah. is, is reading to kids, like, you know, and doing, doing things with kids and having conversations uh, with kids and you know, just spending time as a family doing things. Yeah, you're answering my, my next question before okay. I even get to it, which is, <laughs> what, it's awesome. What, what can parents do to help, um, you know, help the teachers and help their kids get to the next level? And so you're answering it, which is really awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know, and I didn't even realize until I started doing some, some research that, like, the research about reading to kids, it, the research says that you should be reading to kids until they're in grade nine. Really? And I know lots of junior high teachers have started doing read alouds in their, in their core subjects because, you know, the kids really enjoy it. Um, like I just bought a whole bunch of books for our school library and I was in Indigo and under the picture book uh, section, it says ages three to five. Yet I could walk into a grade six room and with a pic with a couple of picture books and I'd have their full attention. Sure. Like reading is reading and getting yeah. kids to read and fall in love with reading 
And, you know, reading isn't just reading books, like lots of like game manuals, which very few kids actually read and very few adults actually read the instruction manuals. That's still reading, Um, you know, cooking, uh, building things, there's math and reading in Mm -hmm. there, like just doing things with, with your kids, um, getting them involved in things. Um, having them help out. Like I am the least handy person on the planet. And part of it is because as a child, I just showed no interest. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things is you pick your battles and, you know, growing up, the battle was easier just to not ask me to be involved because it was like more painful than it, than my, my parents needed. So I ended up having to learn a lot of this stuff on my own and, you know, learning to cook and learning to read a recipe and understanding, you know, fractions and, you know, realizing that, you know, a quarter teaspoon, well, that's two of those. That's a half teaspoon because I can't seem to find a half teaspoon right at the moment and I need a half teaspoon. So, you know, having conversations with kids and, you know, understanding that, if you want your kids involved, it's going to take probably two or three times as long as you originally had planned, yeah. but it's a life skill that will help them be able to deal with things moving forward. And you never stop learning because this very Christmas, I learned how to read an Ikea manual to put together a bookshelf and my better half wanted to help, but I pushed her away. I said, I don't need it. I don't need and any is help. The sh- is the shelf still standing, Bryn? no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we tease. Uh, lastly, um, as we wrap up here, and again, thank you, Jason, for joining us. Where do you see the teaching industry going next? Where do we go from here? What, what, even after COVID, what do you think the changes will be? I think for, for lots, like I've had conversations with lots of colleagues, I think online uh, learning, distance learning, however you want to phrase it, I think is going to be something that's here. And I think it's going to be a, as Brent said, like you never stop learning. I like, I look at YouTube and go, you want to learn something, you can just YouTube it and someone's created a video for yeah. you uh, to show you how to do something. Um, so I think education as a whole is going to, you're going to see a, a shift more towards using technology to help. Will there always be a need for teachers to be in a classroom? Yes, because when it comes to learning the basics, or at least foundationally materials in like kindergarten, grade one, two, the foundations for reading, writing, and arithmetic, you still need that one-on-one so that you can find out where students, children are missing, you know, where the learning gaps are. Because again, not all of us learn at the same, same pace, you know, like, but I think education as a whole is going to have to, to shift towards um, more of a foundational focus, but at the same time, letting kids explore and learn at their own pace rather than so much structure. You got to be here at this time. Like I look at it and go, you know, there's a reason I'm not playing professional hockey. It's not that I don't want to, it's, I can't skate that fast. I can't score that goal. Like there's just certain things I can't do, but I think in education, we're always a rush of trying to compare kids. Well, by grade two, they should be doing this. Well, okay, but maybe that kid can't do that by grade two, but maybe they need to do it by grade four. Like, you know, but again, it's to me, it's literacy, numeracy, you know, is the, is the big push, the big focus. Well, thank you so much for not only joining us here today, but thank you for being a teacher. Not enough people, oh, I, I'm sure, do, do thank you for that because that is, is a great profession and we need more teachers, not less. But, uh, but thank you again. 
for being on our podcast this week. Well, thank you for having me. Really hey, enjoyed it. Hey, Brent, before we let you both go, you got to tell people how they can reach you. Well, if somebody wants to buy or sell a house here in the Edmonton or Sherwood Park area, they can reach our team directly at 780-464-0075 or find us on the internet just by looking up Macintosh Group. Jason, thanks for your time. Brent, thank you for your time. And that's all the time we have. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent McIntosh, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>